Welcome in to Trust the Process Live. If you have not caught up with us by now, I suggest you go back and watch uh, or listen to wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Spotify Anchor, Amazon, early and often, Queen, early and often, our series yes, of trials. As we have been, we have been presiding over trials of our Philadelphia sports teams. And we've done three out of four and we saved the best for last because it, it, it lined up calendar wise. With training camp and uh, and the start of preseason football coming up on us pretty quickly. Um, so, boys, that being said, today is going to be our trial of the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, I am your, uh, your I am your judge, Honorable James Hyden, presiding over these trials here with my guys, Doc Lock, Josh Saffron. What's up? Oh, look, who cares what's up, man? Things are good. We're in the dog days. I want to talk with the Eagles. I've been chomping at the bit to talk about the Eagles, so I'm, I'm real good. How, how are you, Banners? You're always asking how we're doing. No one asks Banners how he's doing. How are you doing? Well, I get to I have, have people. How he's doing I, all the time. I, I, I guess I have people refer to me as Your Honor for an episode, so I feel like go. I'm doing all right. I feel like go, I'm Mr. doing Brown. all right. YG, young gentleman. That's what the Y and the G stand for. James Jackson, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. And and I just want to remind y'all, as the only person here who objective about the eagles banners i guess you're you're objective too you, you don't let the philly bias sway you but as the only person here who's objective objective about the eagles i want to remind young josh and one max over there that i am merely here to provide realistic point of views today whether you disagree with them or not they're just realistic point of views i'm sorry i can't i cannot i cannot be held you know deemed a hater for my views they're just i'm just gonna have to bring you all back down to earth today i can tell we're here. We're we're the two people to to make sure we're not an echo chamber. Uh, we're not we're not here to to echo any sentiments. We're here. We're here to ground. Okay. And the man of digits, the many digits. I don't know how many he got anymore. He could have added. He could have subtracted. I don't know. Max Coolish, how are you? I'm great. I'm feeling good. Um, you know, just been been living the life in Philadelphia, man. It's just been I've been a real uh, been a real homebody the last couple of weeks. Uh, mm. I guess rightfully so, but just kind of settling into my area. I've been. Uh, been not doing much. Like I, I'm kind of ready. I'm kind of where Josh is. Like I'm ready to talk football, talk sports. Like this is the most exciting thing I've been doing recently. So let's get into it. I love it. With that being said, gentlemen, we are going to move into opening statements, opening remarks, and what we're going to do is we're going to go around the horn. And Doc Lock, I'm going to give it to you first. Your oh, opening man. statement. You may address the jury of your peers. Oh, man. People of the jury, ladies and gentlemen of Philadelphia, it is finally that time. We love our Phillies. One, two, three, four, five, 76ers. And, you know, our fly guys, that was the first or second episode. But nothing, nothing comes close to our Philadelphia Eagles, which last year, everyone brush it off. Everyone just brush it off. Shake it, shake it out. Get it out of the system. It's over. The past is the past. And this is a new season. Doug Peterson should still be here. I still believe that, and I will <laughs> die on that hill. <laughs> he started so well. And, uh... Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but I am ready. I am ready for the new regime. We needed a change here in Philadelphia. I don't have to talk about Doug. 
I don't have to talk about Carson Wentz anymore. I will intentionally because it's funny now, but I don't have to talk about Carson Wentz on my team anymore. Do I think they're winning the Super Bowl? I'll save you the suspense. No. What if I said yes? Now? You guys, you guys are waiting for me to say yes. But I'm happy. I'm optimistic. I feel like there's a monkey off my back with Doug and Carson gone. And I think everyone should too. Whether you think they're going to do well, whether you think they're going to do bad, you should be excited. Okay. And that is I'll leave it there and we'll get more into it there. But hey, be hopeful, be excited. Take your wins there. All right. Okay. I, I kind of want to cross examine. Yeah. Like, uh, well, the, let's, let, let's, let's give you, let's, let's have your opening statement first and we can go back to cross examination. Okay. Okay. You're lucky, Josh. You're lucky. My opening statement is Eagles fans, remember that you are in year one of a rebuild. You let your head coach go. You let your starting quarterback go, the once fra- face of your franchise. And a lot of things on your team look new. New quarterback, new head coach, new offensive coordinator, new secondary, a new identity for the Philadelphia Eagles. But it is the first year of a rebuild. And what you should expect is to see progress. Progress from where you were last year. And as Josh said, a little bit, progress to what could be into the future. But it is not a right now thing. So taper your expectations are really my opening statements for this season is you can't expect your essentially rookie QB, but second year QB, first year starter QB to go out there and light the world on fire. You can't expect your really young wideouts and running back to go and dominate their positions on a, on a week to week basis. You can't expect your first year head coach and coordinators to have everything figured out, both scheme and personnel-wise, right off the bat. It is a figure-it-out season, put the pieces where they need to be, and start building a foundation for going forward. Nothing is solidified right now if you're the Eagles, if you're Eagles fans, and I think everybody should remember that. To be honest, six, seven wins should put a smile on everybody's face. This ship is afloat. It's got a direction. We didn't implode. But to expect eight, nine, double digit, and to and to win the NFC East is once again putting a bar of expectations on the team that's not realistic. And that's only going to hurt yourselves. I'm only here for the realistic truth. Remember, it's year one of a rebuild. Close my opening statement. Max Coolish, you are now free to address the jury. Um, I would say my opening statement is that above all, we need to be evaluating coaching this season. Uh, I think Doug Peterson, uh, if, if this was a video game, I think Doug Peterson would have deserved to keep his job because that's how you can remove all the interpersonal operations and, and how people interact with each other. Cause I think that's where things more so fell apart in, in his departure. But I say that, I think we need to emphasize and and not solely focus, but prioritize focusing on what we see from the coaching was because as much as I, I will always you know cherish Doug Peterson for his time here, there wasn't always a ton of good coaching going on in the Philadelphia, the Philadelphia Novacare complex in the last couple of years. It seemed like a lot of guys did not progress out of the draft or coming here through free agency. Um, we we see flashes from players. There's there's 
there was a lot of consistency issues post Super Bowl, and I think that's really where we should be evaluating because that's where the last regime failed. Everything before the Super Bowl is gravy; it got us the Super Bowl, but the regime fell apart in what happened after that time. And to me, that regime focused far too much on what was established and what was known, and not willing to press boundaries or challenge the norm or make guys feel like they had to worry about something. I think we can agree there was a lot of favoritism played in the last couple of years. And I'm very curious to see how a new coaching staff can develop young guys, which is something that hasn't happened here in quite a while. And on top of that, can they put together schemes and, and packages for a veteran defense that underperformed last year and can, you know, with some additions in the secondary that are not perfect, they have some weaknesses at linebacker still for sure. If that secondary is improved. I think the Eagles defense can keep them, can keep them feisty. I'm not going to say keep them competitive. It's a two, there's a two and a half sided game. I think the Eagles defense can do enough to keep them feisty with, with the right people behind them. But the issue is after flipping everything upside down and restarting from scratch, are those right people in place or, you know, vice versa. That is the question. I, I know you digits. I know you. And there's a lot of surface level talk right there. Not a lot of specifics. Like what, what is, what are you specifically expecting this season from the Eagles because uh, I'm hearing a lot of I'm hearing a lot of um, let's see if the if the coaches can develop young talent. I'm I'm expecting a wide range because if if I'm being honest here, I think this defense can I, I think this defense has has legitimate potential to be good enough to to steal you games, right? And I think that this coaching could leave what us at three. Mean? What is that? What does that come down? I'm to? getting I'm getting to that. Uh, I'm saying that this coaching if if we have coaching jobs like last year where it's uninspired, we have no creativity in offensive and defensive play calling. The Eagles will win three or four games at most, and they'll be lucky to do so. If with this influx of of you know 25 to 45 year old coaching talent, if some of these guys can bring in these new fresh ideas that it seems every third team in the league has, you know, some offensive guru under 35 calling plays and calling shots, if they get a little bit of injection from that, I can see the Eagles being feisty enough to sniff six to eight wins. If if I'm putting it all on the table, I think you're probably closest with saying five to six, JJ, and I think that's where it'll ultimately fall. But I think this team has a pretty wide range of of ride because it's not like they're so talent efficient like the Jets, for example, like I understand that they certainly have a lot of weak spots, especially offensively, but they have some big names. They have a, a marquee offensive line. They have a running back who, you know, has produced when given opportunities, right? Obviously there's big questions at receiver. There's big questions at quarterback, but I think that a defense that can hold an opposing team to less than 24 points a game, which I think this defense could do. I think you can win a handful of games. I'm interested to hear where you guys think you, and when it's all said and done, I get that it's early, but I'm interested to hear where you guys think the Eagles land in the NFC East. Like, who do you who do you think you're you're where do you think you stack up? I mean, everybody is. For all I know, everyone everyone could literally finish eight and nine, and I wouldn't be surprised. Like, this whole division reeks of mediocrity still, and uh, I mean, it's going to be hard to duplicate the stink job that the whole division put on last year, but. Is it really so far fetched to think that none of these teams really are head and shoulders better than the others? Like I was, I was willing to say that you know the Cowboys are the most talented. We know how that goes for the Cowboys every year. The Washington football team just did it last year. I mean, you want to talk about some offseason problems? Their their own coaches oh, already yeah. going. Their own coaches already going at them. So you know the Giants are. It feels like the Giants are almost in the same spot as the Eagles in terms yep. of where their offensive and defensive personnel kind of our, our strongest and weakest. 
And and I, I don't know. I could I could say fourth and say be confident in that, and I could say the Eagles can sneak out a division win and be not as confident. But I could say that with my chest. But I, I don't know. I I think that any team that finishes with nine wins is probably the favorite to win the division, and that's kind of sad to say, but. I, I think the I think I think they I believe they will win the division. And I'm not saying that with a hundred percent confidence, but you posed the question. I wanted to stop the suspense right now. If you're you know gun to my head here, how do you think the Eagles will finish one through four? I'm gonna say number one. And we can get into that, right? But I do think a big part of that is looking around at the rest of the division where you see the Washington football team with 17 games with Mr. Fitzmagic, you know, the Fitzmagic only lasts for five games and, and there's seven, like a whole season of that, not seeing it happening. The Cowboys are basically the same team they've been with a worse offensive line, a secondary that hasn't been improved, and Zeke is literally not getting any better. And Max just said it, the Giants are the Giants. They really don't have anything going on for them. So listen, maybe I'm falling into a trap of thinking of the NFC East is going to be a carbon copy of what it was last year, but has there been anything that should lead me to think otherwise? Has there really been anything to make me think the NFC East has improved marginally? Yes, if that's no. really the stance you yeah, would like yeah, to take, good. I would like to submit that the people <laughs> would also like to, to understand why you are not holding that same view for your team. Thank you. It's, it's Thank very you. simple. Why, why is there a negative for everybody else but your team? Well, it's really simple because the team last year got not – I mean, more or less blown up. When you take the starting quarterback and the head coach and they're gone, your entire team is changed drastically. And I fall under the impression that I'm not saying Jalen Hurts is winning an MVP, maybe even in his career, but I'm saying this year's Jalen Hurts Hurts is without a doubt an upgrade from Carson Wentz last year. How do you know? um, know, Four games of a sample size. Come on, guys. You watched Carson once last year. He was literally the worst quarterback I've ever seen. The point. The question marks are the the entire point of all of this. You don't know. Like you, you have no idea what what direction you're going to go with Jalen Hurts. I'm saying I do know every team in the division, and I think I have good indication on the Eagles. And the other teams haven't really changed. The Eagles have changed an awful lot, and I've liked almost all of the moves they've made. So that's why I'm feeling so good about the Eagles. This isn't the Super Bowl year, but if you're saying, where do you think the Eagles are going to fall? I'm going to slap them at one right now. How would that benefit? So I would like to understand how that would benefit them. I'm dumbfounded. Oh, boy. How that would benefit them? You're telling me winning a division isn't beneficial to a franchise? How would that not benefit them? I don't understand that. I mean, I mean, it's what, the same. What, what, it's did the same. A, what did a Washington what, what did a Washington Redskins division win last year benefit them? Great experience for your young players and uh, like a, a victory. If you, like If you want a real explanation, I think that shows that they have a great young team minus a quarterback. They have great offensive weapons at wide receiver, running back. They have one of the best D-lines in the league. Uh, banners i think i get where you're coming from because josh is a little bit off the rails right now but that's yeah that's not the best bait to lure someone in because that's an that's an amazing experience for that well i don't i don't know if we can count on playoff like the the old trope that playoff experience is so valuable for people i'm not sure if we can really rest on those laurels uh, concern or literally looking at the super bowl champions from last year looking how many playoff how many players on that team didn't have playoff experience so I think we can just I, my my question falls back on like 
outside of the quote unquote playoff experience, and I'm just trying to understand here. Cause I'm, I, Josh, I think you're taking it a little bit too far. Like Max said, is it is we're a little bit off the rails here, which I, I, I like, if you're going to do it, go full head of steam. Right. People would just like to understand what, like what, how, how are the Washington Redskins as a football team? Let's, let's not take the, the quote unquote intangible playoff experience. Sure. Let's take that out of it. How have they gotten better as a football team? from winning the division. Well, Banders, based on that logic, everyone who makes the playoffs other than the Super Bowl winner are suckers because they get worse draft picks. Like, I don't well, know. The, the teams that make the playoffs with a clear plan and clear team that, hey, sure. we're going to make a push, that benefits them. Teams that luck into a playoff win or luck into a playoff seating based yeah. on pure circumstances, that's not a benefit. That pushes you back in the draft order and delays right. the final steps of a rebuilding process. Yeah, but I like I, I totally understand what you're saying, but at the same time, you have a first year quarterback, a first year head coach, and overall like a, a really young core making the playoffs in their first year. I'll throw it right back. How does that not help you? Like it's because I wouldn't consider it making the playoffs. I would consider it stumbling ass backwards into I, the playoffs. Well that now that now you now that's that's you're kind of shifting the goalpost with there. Objection. I'm throwing an objection right there because you're you're making assumptions that we literally have no way of assuming until 17 weeks and my and my blueprint the eagles are a, a 10 let's say 10 and 7 right is 10 and 7 in the nfc east lucking into the playoffs but my problem is that the 10 and 7 is is more than lofty expect expectations like if if, if 10 and 7 happens every everything happened exactly correctly and way ahead of schedule but you cannot expect 10 wins from this eagles team you just can't well, I, and, and I'm expecting everything it. else after that to me a moot point because you cannot expect 10 wins for the Eagles team. We, we can dive into it, fellas. We can dive into some of the questions here because I, I don't I feel like I just have to explain myself more as we go on. Like I, I am gung ho, fellas. Like a seven and nine team going to the playoffs yeah. is is seven stumbling. Like that's You're that's what the Redskins. Yeah. I'm just trying okay. to I'm just trying well, to understand. I, I think I think we were on two different wavelengths here. In your world, the Eagles are eight and nine. And and they win on a tiebreaker with everyone being crap. In my in my scenario, the Eagles make it into the playoffs and they are not ahead above the rest, but let's call it half ahead above the rest. They they're they're definitely better than the rest of the division in my scenario here. Like I, I hear what you're saying. I just think they're gonna surprise I think they're gonna surprise people. I think they're gonna surprise all of us. I I'll give you one thing. Head coaches under that have been hired under Jeffrey Laurie average. I'm pretty sure it's they average ten wins in their rookie the season, year, which yeah. is like it's it's a pretty incredible stat. So going by those going by those numbers, I can see where some of the optimism might come from. Um, I just need I like I said the 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 main point is finishing off the final steps of a rebuild and not getting ahead of yourself. I yeah, is yeah. where is the, where I would. And then my, yeah, my, then my counter would be, I mean, look, regardless of your record, you got two first round draft picks now. I'm done saying three. I said three for a long time, but oh. you know, you, you still you still have another <laughs> one there for you. That's not, you know, a playoff pick. So that would be my counter is even if you do make the playoffs and you're worried about that position, you have a second. Point. Right That's there. a good point. That's a good point. That's a good point. So I, I referenced it right there in the records with new head coaches. So now we're the, the people is going to shift their argument. We're going to call. We're going to call Nick Sirianni to the stand Ooh. for cross-examination. Oh, man. Ready. There's some good numbers behind first-year head coaches for the Philadelphia Eagles. There's also been some – I won't call it good or bad, or even though I tend to, to like what I hear. 
There's so there's been nothing but interesting news. Yeah. Coming from the Novacare complex and That's Nick perfect. Sirianni's coaching staff. So we're gonna go around and Max, I want to start with you. Are are you a believer in Nick Sirianni and, and him coming in from the Frank Wright coaching tree from Indianapolis to be this first year head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles? Um, if you want my totally unfiltered answer, it's hell no. I'm honestly not a believer. Why why should I? Be? Why should I be? This guy was an assistant offensive coordinator for an average offense for one year. What makes what 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 should give me the grounds to make such a large leap of faith that he can go to being top dog in a marquee market? Um, I look, man, I want to be as wrong as I possibly can. I want Nick Sirianni to be as legendary as his name has already become just yeah. by the words and the syllables that it consists of. All right. I want, I want dads from, from Delco to, to LBI to the Pine Barrens in South Jersey to be saying, ah, Sirianni. I want to be saying it just like that. I want to be ringing through the I streets for, the for Pine 20 Barons. years. Right. That's what I'm saying. I want it to be everywhere. I want, I want every, every inch of Eagles nation to be saying that guy's name with a, a crappy rough Delco accent. Right. That's all I want in life. But realistically, what what makes me think that he can get there? Like, what is giving me that that confidence in him? What's giving me that assuredness that, yeah, this guy can do it? I mean, hell, I didn't believe in Doug Peterson when he got here, and for good reasons. He was in basically in the same boat. But the difference was that the offenses that he were on at least would win a playoff game or something, or were ranked in you know the top seven or eight or whatever they were doing in those last couple of Alex Smith years before he left. I, I just the Colts did not play they didn't play an offensive style of football last year. They, they, you know, Phil Rivers had a couple banger games, which gives me like enough, con- like it, that's like what I'm holding on to. Like there was a couple games down the stretch of the season where Phillip Rivers kind of went crazy. And I do believe that the versatility that Jalen hurts can give you with legs can offer you at least what Phillip Rivers was able to offer the Colts last year. I'm not saying that he's as good as a player in terms of a career, but Phillip Rivers was, as we saw on his last legs last year, he, that was his last season. That was his last draw. He, he, he couldn't move an inch. He was he was as stone as they get. And I think that kind of wrapping back to my coaching point, if Nick Sirianni and his guys can't figure out that having Jalen Hurts is a totally different ball game than having Phil Rivers as your QB, they'll win three to four games because they won't utilize his running skill set. And if they do realize that, hey, this guy was a top college quarterback, went to Alabama, went to Oklahoma, you know, ran for over a thousand yards, I believe twice in college. This guy is a weapon with his legs. He's, I'm not saying he's Lamar Jackson, he doesn't have to be. But if if your coaching does not put them in a situation, which is what I'm ultimately getting back around to, if coaching doesn't put them in a situation, that's just a glaring flaw on the coaching staff. And as far as I'm concerned, the Colts' offense did not do enough to last year for me just to give this guy the benefit of the doubt and say, you know what, this dude is going to be able to take that jump, no question. I don't I, – I, like I said, hope I'm wrong, praying for, for wrongness, happily will eat my words, just I, I can't do it right now. Now, before we let the prosecution cross-examine, I'm going to let the the co-counsel for the people um, cross-examine this witness. And before I exhibit A, I would like to uh, submit for for um, submit exhibit A. Nick Sirianni has introduced wins and losses into training camp days, mm. and his offense has not won a day. Now this might just be this might just be grandstanding and and him putting more pressure on the offense and saying, "You know what? No, I, we haven't won a day yet. We need to go out there and really win a day." But the offense has not won a day. And there's that old adage of the defense always being ahead of the offense, which 
granted, given the 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 veterans on the defense, it might be. But does that I, I we're submitting that as evidence. So co counsel, your witness. Josh? Yeah, that's you. Was I supposed to yeah, I was that's on me. That's a your witness. That's a Don McNabb. That's on me, fellas. But um, oh man, oh man, Max, I liked how you broke it down because I think you broke it down and like, all right, this is what I think about Nick Sirianni and the antics, and this is what I think about Nick Sirianni and the football. And I, I'm gonna go down that that same road. Uh, when when you know, I it's so hard for me to not call him Big Dick Nick. Like I feel like if he does something, he's gonna get some nickname like that. But he's not obviously he's not worthy in that sense. But uh, you know, Nick, our guy Nick, hey Sirianni. I didn't like him. I didn't like him for the longest time. I mean, you can check the tape on it. When we first got here, I was I was bashing him for the, you know, the press conference for the rock, paper, scissors. And, you know, it's just the more and more I hear him talk, the more I'm just buying in. Because this is a guy who he's not going halfway. Like, he is just so all in on his whole shtick. The, oh, we're going to attack rest. And then we're going to go watch some film and we're going to attack this film session. And I think you're going to get the veterans in there specifically, and they're going to get in there and they're going to roll their eyes at each other and have a nice chuckle. And then they're going to realize like, wait, this isn't an act. Like this is really just how the guy is all the time. And I don't, I'm not saying they're going to buy all the way into it, but I think they're going to, it's, it's just a new culture. And that's certainly what they needed, right? You guys know, I love Dougie P, but it's clear. A new culture was needed. And then over to the football side of things, Max, I think I think I'm I'm really gonna like what uh, Sirianni has to do here. And I think it's gonna be a lot of running the ball, and that was the exact opposite we saw with Dougie P. And when especially when Hertz came in, right? Like he was having Hertz throw the ball 40, 40 plus times a game. And if the Eagles are gonna be the division winning Eagles, like I think they'll be, it's gonna be a lot of establishing the run, slowing the game a little bit down using a three-headed monster that the Eagles, I think, will employ this year. And I'm, I am really excited about that. But I, I – and also the other thing that that you guys know me. I'm the big Jalen Hurts guy. Well, who's the who's the three-headed monster? Uh, Mr. Kenneth Gainwell and Karrion Johnson, along with Miles Sanders. I forgot I'm really, about uh, Karrion. Yeah, yeah. Oh I think a lot of people are sleeping on Karrion. Continue. Um, my apologies. No, no worries. Uh, I also think there's a lot to be said about having a new coach and a new quarterback, right? Like, obviously, Sirianni's been around the NFL a little longer than Hurts, but I think you have a sense of, like, all right, buddy, we're in this together, you know? There might be some growing pains, especially in training camp. You said it, Ben. His offense hasn't won one day. But I heard a lot of people's concerns about the defense going into training camp, so take that with what you will. All in all, I don't have all my chips in Sirianni. What I'm saying is, when he first got here, I was absolutely out, and – he look, you he he did it himself in the press conference. The WIP been playing the soundbite. He just smacks the table and goes, "I'm doubling down" in his in his West New York accent, and that's how I feel about Sirianni. He's always doubling down on himself. I'm always going to take a guy who bets on himself. So yeah, Nick Sirianni, I'm a believer. Okay, prosecutor, your witness. Um, I'm not surprised that Josh fought off the gut reactions to not believe. Um. He chooses to look at everything with rose-colored glasses, so that, that kind of didn't surprise me that he ended up on that side of the fence. Max, I would tell you, man, to trust your gut. Like, you say you want to be wrong, but you know, I, I think you got something on the, you know, right on the nose there with not being a believer in Nick Sirianni. I like how you guys broke it down from antics and football, but I'm just, just going to stick to the football side because you can have a great culture and kumbaya all you want. If you don't win games, you know, the rest doesn't matter. So I'm going to stick just to the football side. And – 
Right, Max, the reason you should be trusting your gut and not be a believer in Sirianni is let's not forget the nature and why he was brought to this team. He was not brought to this team for Jalen Hurts. He was brought to this team mm. as a last-ditch effort to try to get Carson Wentz to stay, and it did not work. And then now he goes from the focus being on fixing Carson Wentz and having that option to a completely different style of football that we all know Jalen Hurts plays in that offense and now have to try to go to that. Yes, it can be a we're in this together, buddy. But Sirianni and his staff was brought in here for Carson Wentz, not for Jalen Hurts. And then it all fell, fell apart. And then Carson Wentz left. And now it's we're left with Jalen Hurts. I don't want to say we're left with Jalen Hurts like he wasn't drafted to be Carson Wentz is replacement. You kind of drafted him as a safety net for this reason. But Nick Sirianni was not coming in prepared to deal with Jalen Hurts. He was coming in prepared to deal with Carson Wentz. And that is the biggest project on the Eagles. The reason why it matters so much is because that's what 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 is the is the most of, of most concern going into this rebuild is can Jalen Hurts win us football games? Can Jalen Hurts be that quarterback to start our franchise around so we can start the other pieces. And as Banner says, the final steps of a rebuild. When that's your biggest project and your head coach was coming in prepared to coach another quarterback, that's just really concerning. And I think every Eagles fan should be, should have major concerns about being a believer in Nick Sirianni. He can do it. Like, like he's still a, a right. offensive coordinator in the NFL. He, for all intents and purposes, he might be able to do it, but to be a believer just off the strength of he was coming in here for a different guy. That that's why I, like I, that. I would not I would not be a believer. Not even not just that. hating. Just just I gotta see I, it first. I like that. Mm. I I that's do like point. that. I do mm. like that stance. Yeah, I can't really say much, but I think like a, a fine rebuttal is it's not like my my thing with Sirianni that I do like, and I think for others this might you know they won't like him for this reason. This is his first head coaching job ever, right? It's like he he almost doesn't even know what he like he doesn't like if it was a veteran coach i'd be a little bit more concerned where he came in here to be the wentz whisperer or something like that no no no. nick sirianni came in here to make a name for himself as an nfl head coach so to me it's like look this guy's got everything to lose he may have come in here to fix wentz but if you know you got to jump ship and pivot to hurts he's everything to lose he's going to do everything he can let me read this ethan brosif comment real quick now even what what is that word stodgiest stoogiest Stoogiest. Even the stoogiest coaches have been able to implement radically different offenses in a one-year turnover. I think that's stoogiest, by the way. Flacco, Lamar, Tom Savage, Deshaun Watson. That's a great call out with Tom Savage to Deshaun Watson. And that's a good point. I mean, this those is, are but this is also likening Jalen Hurts to Lamar Jackson and Deshaun Watson. Well, so I think that's more of likening Sirianni to, to Harbaugh and who was the Texans coach? Uh, Bill I, I guess that must have been Bob. Oh, yeah. Bob. But, uh, I mean, hey, Bob, Bob was uh, it's between more of a the Greg lines. Roman. Just don't let him up in the press boxes where he has to start thinking. More of a Greg Roman well, comp. Greg Roman, Roman was the one that kind of implemented for Lamar Jackson. Yeah, Bob. Back yeah. to the dude. B.O.B.'s in India anywhere. I, I like that. Anyone. We got some optimism in the comments tonight. Y'all can have right. your optimism, man. Just don't. And banners, banners. You guys, You guys are on the path to self-inflicted wounds. Did Banners not claim Jalen Hurts to be the next coming of Lamar Jackson? I did. He did. I he did. did. That's true. I did. I I haven't seen anything closer yet. Um, yeah. Let's For see. Sure. Greg For Roman, sure. who couldn't I'm hack sure. it with Kaepernick. <laughs> I'm not sure what the point – I'm not sure why we bring up Kaepernick now when Greg Roman was the one to uh, – Ethan, I think you need to 
you're you're count you're contradicting yourself there. I think we need I'm to the, whatever. Uh, the the witness may step down. We're going to call our next witness here, and it's going to be the position groups. Oh, the good, the bad, and the ugly. So we talked about a little bit why why Nick Sirianni was was brought in there for Carson Wentz. Ooh, I don't, I'm not even uh, sure what to say about the quarterback room right now. So we're going to skip that, and we're going to go right into the other position groups. So now you may call they're all they're all in the gallery. You may call whichever position group you wish to the stand. We're going to go back around Josh. You have your pick. Yeah, I kind of alluded to it with I think the last question, but I think the good is the running back room. I I I'll go as far as saying the whole running unit. You know, if you want to look at a healthy uh very good offensive line, especially on the run block. And then, you know, I am just so excited for, I'm calling it a three headed monster. I really think you're going to get these guys rotating out an awful lot, whether it be for pass block, whether it be for a third down back, I don't know exactly how they're going to play it, but Miles Sanders, Kerry and Johnson there. I, I think Miles Sanders is really establishing himself as a top tier running back in the league. Like I, I think people just forget about Miles Sanders a lot. I haven't heard one person on the radio or like, well, I'm talking about stone hands. You can't be a top tier running back in, in the current NFL if you can't mm-hmm. catch. Oh, uh, listen, I, I can't refute that. But in terms of the running game, I think that's the good, the running game. And I really think with Sirianni, he's going to work on establishing the run. And then I, I can't, it's cheating to pull Hurts because he's in the quarterback room. But that that's helps my case here. I think running is your foundation. And from there, you, you know, everything else is gravy. But I do think Kenneth Gainwell. AAC product had a nice chance to watch him tear up against Temple. Now, granted, that was against Temple. He's legit, you know, and and he's real small. We said we had a Boston Scott uh, Sproles comparisons, but listen, it's not the same. I'm not calling Kenneth Gainwell Sproles, but he is he's good. Like he's going to play. He's not your average third or fourth round or fifth round pick even. Uh, the bad, it's the linebacker group, right? And it's surprising I'm not putting them at ugly. Uh, you know, bringing Wilson on, it helps. That's why they're not the ugly it's still really shoddy. Like you could have gotten, you could have drafted anyone and they didn't Sean Bradley temple product. You know, we love him, but let's be real. Like he should not be your starting linebacker. I think the linebackers are going to be a problem. And the ugly, my ugly here, special teams, because well, special teams, I always think of special teams as like a try hard answer. Like, Oh, he's trying to be different. He's pulling out special teams. (laughs) No, 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 no. This special teams is ugly okay the punter some first year punter i've i I don't know who he is like i I just straight up don't know who he is jake elliott was horrible last year he was horrible last year and by all accounts in training camp he's looking even worse uh and then you've got nick sirianni showing up wearing a jake elliott shirt to the press conferences which is telling me they're not even considering cutting him and moving on so uh, you know, I, I don't think the Eagles are some high-powered offense. I think they're going to have to be kicking a lot, at least to start the year. And I am and I think that's going to look terrible, and it can snowball on them, especially because they're scheduled to start the year. Uh, it's pretty tough. So a little bit of a try-hard answer, but it's really what I believe. Special teams is going to be ugly. And I think I love Jake Elliott for that kick, but I, I think you got to start looking at new kickers. The, uh, the, the It is worth mentioning the coaching staff is is pretty high on uh, Davion Taylor, the the forgotten son yeah. of last year's draft. Um, co-counsel, do you, do you have a position group to add? Uh, I, I was ready to go for all three. Go for it. Okay. Uh, I was going to say, I'm going to go good, and this might be a little bit surprising, but 
the defensive backfield, I think, is a really, Ooh. really nice combination of savvy veteran uh, veteran leadership and you sprinkle some young guys in there. Um, like I could see someone like Avante Maddox, you know, provided staying healthy, like really being able to shine because he's not one of four cornerbacks who have no combined NFL experience. He's one of four cornerbacks who are, you know, 25 years of NFL experience combined. I always thought that his issue was, uh, uh, I don't want to say, yeah, like low football IQ, I guess I'll just say it like that, right? Like that was always kind of what I thought his issue was and, and having, you know, Darius Slay and McLeod and, um, Oh my God, I, I'm going to mix up their names if I say them. the guy we just signed from the Steelers and Anthony Harris from Willie the Vikings. Nelson. Willie, no, thank you. I was going to. I Steve, kept wanting to say Nelson. Anthony Nelson. 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 Stephen Nelson. Nelson. Nelson, not, not <laughs> Willie, not <laughs> Willie. <laughs> Willie Nelson would be awesome. All year, that would be awesome. That'd be a great sign. Turn out the lights. <laughs> um, I was going to say the for the bad the linebackers. I mean that that does kind of feel just like the obvious answer. Um, I'll say this: the bad is the bottom of the wide receiver depth chart because we're already thin and uh, it seems like that Quez Watkins isn't really uh, having great. And I've heard that Hightower has regressed from last year and that means JJ, JJ, AW is playing a lot and, you know, we all know how that goes. Um, so I'm going to say the bad is, is the bottom side of the wide receiver depth chart. I'm sure it'll be uh, plenty fun seeing who the Eagles are running out there as their slot receiver in you know, week nine at this rate. Um, and then lastly, for the ugly, I'm going to have to say the offensive line because, yeah, they're great on paper, but guess what? We're they, well. what, what, what would happen in the first hour of the first day of training camp? Brandon Brooks left the field with what was appeared to be an injury. He came back in all his gravy, but if that's not a consistent theme with the offensive line, I don't know what is at this point. I can't, I can't look at yeah, what happened last right. year and see, what was it, 9 or 10 or 11 different starting offensive line combinations in 16 games, yep. and that's ugly. That's ugly to me, and – uh, I hope I hope it's not the case. I hope that you know, the, especially the right sideline. I think that's the most important side. It, it, any game where Brandon Brooks and Lane Johnson play next to each other has always felt like the Eagles have an advantage, like a clear advantage somewhere on the field, regardless of of how the receivers aren't getting separation or if you know the quarterback isn't making the right reads. It always felt like if Brandon Brooks and, and Lane Johnson were next to each other, you could get some push on the right side of your line and you could do something with it. And that was obviously missing in the, in its entirety last year. And uh, I think that, you know, I think last year was a huge example of how important cohesion and chemistry on an offensive line. It seems like every team that wins the Super Bowl, JJ's Bucks are, are the latest case in point. The offensive line is they are of one brain. It, it, as, as soon as one fifth of that singular brain gets gets put on the injured list, it, it it's it, I, don't, I don't I feel like this is almost a too too juicy of an analogy to use but it's like getting a concussion where the the entirety of the brain that's what i mean it's it's very full circle but it almost feels like you know just just messing up that one little part of it can 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 and, shake up the Max, equilibrium let's for not the rest forget, let's not forget everything comes back to or boils down to can can jalen hurts succeed or can jalen hurts help this team i'm and ready to talk about jalen hurts i assume we have a, a separate question for the quarterback stuff given I, I how much that we're just shying just away to aid, just to aid your just to aid your offensive line point a revolving door of an offensive line is the last thing you need for a young developing quarterback. So this all boils down to yep. can can Good what call. can what we do help Jalen Hurts? And that's the ugly of that, it like just ripple effects to not helping your quarterback. I'll touch on more on this later, but just kind of further building on that point. Jalen Hurts has been working with his offensive line. That's the guys who he's been working out with on a day-to-day -day basis. Him and Lane Johnson have been buddied up at Lane's private gym all summer. Like that's been his go-to spot. He's done his stuff with the receivers, but in terms of his day-to-day -day weight training and and how am I getting big enough to to be an NFL player? That's with Lane Johnson 
and Brandon Brooks and um, uh, Nate Herbig, like those those group of guys, like that's the ones who are over there. And and to me, I think that well, I, I won't I won't you know spill it all here, but I think that's important. I think it's also worth mentioning that Jordan Mailata has apparently not won out a spot at left tackle already. So you've yeah. still got the the Dillard pick in, yeah. in there. Um, it's it's right to bring up those concerns. Uh, prosecution, who, who would you like to call a position group to the stand? Um, I'm going to agree with Matt's on the good, and that's the defensive backfield, the secondary. And, and really? I'll, I'll point out just the upgrade on paper. Like, at least now we have – we at least now you guys have the, the Eagles have players in that defensive backfield that can be relied upon players who have experience in the NFL and good experience in the NFL. I do think the Steven Nelson pickup was a little overhyped when it happened, um, especially just on a one year deal. You're not even expecting him to be on the team for yeah. long term. Um, but getting Anthony Harris, I think, is a good sign. It's going to help your backfield. And now you have Darius Slay in a comfortable position where he's not the only performer in that defensive backfield with, like Max said, a bunch of guys without NFL experience. So I do think the upgrade in that is the good in itself. The bad is going – I'm going to point out a place that not a lot of people are going to see right away. And I'm going to say that's the tight end room. And that's one because we we talked about it before. I do not think Zach Ertz is going to play for the Philadelphia Eagles this year. Everyone thought because he wasn't moved yet that maybe it could happen. And then you can just see this man's demeanor at training camp. It just doesn't look like – it looks like the relationship has soured. He's on his way out the door, and he's just there not to get hurt but also not to get fined because he knows he wants to go to another team. So maybe, maybe that. But then when you fall back on Dallas Goddard, look, I I haven't always been the biggest believer in Dallas Goddard and being a premier tight end in the league. And, he already failed his conditioning test. And he's, he's, he's already and he's already proven to not be the, the most uh, durable player. And and after that, you want to talk about depth. I'm, I'm not even sure who's the third tight on the Eagles depth chart. Oh, so. man, you don't believe in Richard Rodgers? Uh, <laughs> returning, re- returning tight end three Richard Rodgers. It's all yeah. about it's all about chemistry. It's all about it's all about chemistry. But I, I'm going to call that as as my bad. And the ugly, I'm going to go with the linebacking court right now. Yeah. I mean. For, yeah. for all the reasons, all the painful reasons that you guys know, that's just the sure lacking right yeah. now on the Eagles team. So um, not even that much to get into that with the linebacking core. We, we already know the, the lack of what it is there. All I'm going to say about that, taking my optimistic point, it's better than they started the season last year. Their linebacker core, I don't think you can disagree with that, which is crazy. Yeah, I, I I'm surprised nobody called the defensive line to the stand for the good. I don't know. I think the jury's still out on that one. Well, I mean, if we're gonna take the approach of like, hey, the yeah, okay, I got like you. If, if we're gonna say the defensive backfield is improved That's on right, paper, right. I think we should also acknowledge that you know the, the well the defensive line, if healthy, is probably a top five unit in the league just due to depth and and being able to rotate so many guys and keep everybody fresh. Well, Banners, on that on that note, I guess like as an Eagles fan, you know, like last year is like the first year I think you've seen like. Fletch and a little bit of BG come a little more down to earth. You know what I mean? Like they were still a top four pressure rate unit in the league. Without a doubt. I just think the contrast of like, this is the best I've felt as a fan about the secondary in a little while. Like it's always just, and it's I don't finally think the, dependable. I'll give that to you all. The secondary I'm not, is I'm finally not, dependable. I'm, I'm not trying to say put them on a top 10 list. I'm just saying like year after year, I think the Eagles secondary is dog water. And this year I'm like, okay, they're fine. This year is the first year I've kind of looked at the, the, like every year I look at the D line and I'm like best in the league. This is the first year where I'm like, okay, I saw a couple of guys take some steps back. Like 
Barnett is still a bust. Like, like so, like you're right. I so think- we're finally right. I got, I yes. got so much heat for saying two years. You know, I've been on that wave. Barnett, I, Barnett. I got so much heat for calling him a bust. You they, know, I've been on that it. wave. They've improved at the same rate, as in not at all. Interesting. I would like to. I, I would say um, you're going to see a lot of cover too. With 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 Harris and uh, and McLeod there, you don't really have a true strong safety. You got two uh, two center fielders right there, so there's going to be a lot of out routes. Um, so you guys, I think you're going to see a lot of out routes. So hopefully, hopefully uh, Slay and and Nelson can can keep up. Um, I think you, Max, you're right. Maddox should never have ever ever played the outside cornerback position in the NFL. Um, so I think that's, that's, that's reason for optimism. It's not even that they couldn't. It's just like he, in the situation where he was been asked to perform the most, it's like he's being asked basically to step up and be like a leader among the defensive backs in terms of his on-field performance. And he just wasn't there. Like maybe he is better suited to be a slot corner, but like when we needed him the most, we needed him at outside corner and he just doesn't really seem smart enough. Well, to, to I, well, I don't do think that. you can ask somebody to be a leader on the field by their performance and put them in a situation that yeah. will be detrimental to their performance. It's him or like Jaquette. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. I agree, but it's like. Jaquette is. Yeah. The problem is with worse, the secondary is, is if, if, if literally one guy gets hurt, I'm smacking the panic button. Like, that's the, that's the, that's the main but, but, problem. But tell me what position that happens at with the Eagles that you're not doing that. Defensive line. Yeah, defensive line. Defensive, because they, okay. they, they do that might be your only security, but but many others, especially the specialty positions, one yeah. person get hurt, gets hurt, and you're pretty much smacking the panic button everywhere. Yeah, Maybe safety right. as well, I guess, because Kayvon Wallace could at least play replacement level for yeah. somebody. But you could I say, guess. yeah, that's him at linebacker and safety because he's not well, great either. He, he plays more of a he plays more of that strong safety role though. Yeah. That Gannon that Gannon's defense would probably benefit from. So I guess those are two. Yeah, I, that's a good point, JJ. I think those are the two that you you really think about. All right, boys. Our next question and our next witness. We you can call either of these two players. And Max, this is this is the question you were looking for, buddy. We're going to talk about some quarterbacks. We're going to play a little game of Would You Rather. I'm going to let you guys pick who you're calling to the stand between Jalen Hurts or Deshaun Watson. And and would you rather have Jalen Hurts in these picks? This is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. Or Deshaun Watson. <clears throat> Damn, I think Anybody? we might be getting uh, getting a job at a fractional number radio station soon. Uh, based on this one, buddy, this is a real doozy. Um, I would just say this: that not only would it be a terrible PR move, it would just be downright stupid to trade Jalen Hurts and the next five years of your franchise for a guy with twenty plus pending investigations against him, regardless of position. The fact that he's a superstar quarterback is the only reason that this question has ever made it onto a piece of print, a piece of URL coding, a pre, uh, you know, somebody's mouth on the radio. Um, it's, it's probably the only thing the Eagles could do to make me truly just drop them as a fan, mm. because it would just be so, it, it would just be so stupid logistically. Like Max, it, I think, 
I think you need to be saying it louder, man, because yeah, there's a uh, lot of people who don't feel that way. And it, it well, is, I think you need to say that to Howie because there I is, think, yeah, I just want to clarify this would, this would be a brain dead trade to make, even if he didn't have the sexual assault allegations going against him, because the Eagles are not just a superstar QB away from yeah, yeah. being it, it does a team not good push, enough to justify burning the next five years. It doesn't of push assets. the needle forward enough. It doesn't push the needle forward. I, I probably wouldn't pull the whole "I'll never be a fan again" thing if they did that. Like you know, I'd try to be as optimistic as I could. You know, if in you know a, a different universe where there's not twenty plus assault allegations right. against yes. him. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I think that straight up, you know. It, and it, it it sucks because it feels like all roads lead back to this either going all the way the distance, which is like a 10% chance or nothing comes of this at all because it's the NFL and he's a famous athlete. And I think it's much more likely to be the latter. And yeah. even still, I can't in good conscience say that that's worth it on any front that it would touch. Well, well I, I like that answer. So let me kind of pivot this. And I, I think this question is better phrased as what do you what do you make of the rumor? Like they, there's a lot of interest here from the Eagles front office. So what what are we as as sports fans to make of that? Because I think, Max, you articulated that very well as someone who has as many allegations against him as, as he does. So what, what, are, what are we to make of this? Well, here's, I'll, I'll put this very concisely because, Max, you did lay it out beautifully. From a football standpoint, you're right. It doesn't move the needle enough for the Eagles to warrant, you know, giving away the future, those key building pieces for that rebuild. That's the, these next two first-round picks and beyond is, every, is to put – either the pieces around Jalen Hurts or to find the guy to put the pieces around to start this rebuild. And to burn those to get Deshaun Watson doesn't make you a Super Bowl team right now. So it just hurts the process. Um, you know, it, it, it just hurts the rebuild in the process. But that's that's assuming we could put the allegations aside and just focus on football. And the reality is we can't and we shouldn't just put the allegations aside and just focus on football. Like it shouldn't be painted as a hypothetical. It shouldn't be us saying, okay, well let's, let's imagine he doesn't have no, because the reality is he does. And that's an insult to the victims that went through, you know, what he's going through. It's, it's, it's not respecting the investigation that's currently going on against Deshaun Watson to ignore that. So we, we can, and, and, and we shouldn't. And a bad PR move would be an understatement for it. You know, I think this would do right now. I, I think there's a reason that Deshaun Watson isn't getting moved right now. And, I, you know, I would be shocked to see a team actually pull the trigger. Yeah. It, the, the fact that he's not on some kind of exempt list, even with these allegations just being allegations at this point, is – Rather Unusual. shocking. It's it's rather shocking because people have been put on exempt lists, not just the commissioner's exempt lists. They've been put on them for less. So I'm just I'm not sure what to make of it. Like there is there, there's coming from all sorts of sources that there is a lot of interest here. Josh, do you do you have a do you have a take on this? No, I mean to be honest, like I expected you guys to like be like. If you can trade for like, you know, regardless, not, you know, he just said, don't put them aside. But I, I expect you guys to be like, you know, in a, in a football vacuum and to go into Max's video game world. You, I no. thought you guys were going to be like, of course you trade for Watson. I was going to sit here and be like, Jalen Hurts. Can't, can't ignore something like this. I was like, no. I'll, 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 yeah. go into, I'll go into a football vacuum for a lot of things, but not. Football vacuums for how you operate with people inside your football confines. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. I think a football vacuum is if uh, somebody was getting divorced or something like it's mm-hmm. not, not something like that. Not something like this that can take you out of the league before you even make, make a trade. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. both witnesses may step down. Now we're going to put the entirety of the Eagles on uh, on the stand here, and I'm going to I'm going to ask you guys to. I don't want to say sentence them, but give me give me a, a pre-trial sentence here and, and sentence their odds for a five year championship window. OK, Josh, let's start with you with uh, with Doc Locke. No, he's yeah. the wrong person to go to first. No, that's what I wanted to start with. No, no. I mean, look, uh, you're not getting a Sixers answer. That's for damn sure regarding this. But I, I do think there are two things to to note before. And one of them is that, you know, I referenced in, on our Flyers episode how wide open the NHL is. But I do think if you look at the NFL, it's not wide open, but it's pretty open. I think you had to make a case for all 32 NFL teams – there was a path for them to win a Super Bowl in the next five years. I would say oh, that, okay. I would, I would say that applies okay. to the NFC. Cool. The NFL. Josh, great job dragging us along. Yeah, yeah, that, those, great last, those last like yeah, three to four words were work. so crucial to that statement. Oh man, that's wild. Oh man. So ahead. on that note, on that note, as the optimistic Eagles fan, I want to set the odds at around plus four hundred to Dude. plus five hundred. That the Eagles win a Super Bowl within five years. And I will tell you why. First and foremost, the Heisman winning wide receiver and the Heisman winning quarterback combo from the same university we have here that are going to be glued together from basically day one in their NFL careers until this end of this five years if everything goes well. I personally... I am a believer in Jalen Hurts, which is where this all comes down to. I think I don't know how Max feels honestly. What like if he if he really looks deep into the mirror, I know JJ and Banners don't believe in Jalen Hurts. So I'm I'm in my world here. You have a Jalen Hurts progression in talent year after year with a quarterback and a wide receiver, a star wide receiver. He's going to be paired up with. You have assets for the first time I feel like in my lifetime in the draft with the Eagles, it might literally be my whole lifetime. And you have a nice mix of veteran players and young players with talent at important positions, such as running back and wide receiver and quarterback. I think plus 400, the plus 500 range is pretty darn realistic. All of those things considered. I, I really don't have much more to say than that because a lot, of, a lot of the NFL is you saw in 2017, you know, you have a core of stars or a core of, of young players that you keep together and then you slot in your Chris Longs, you know, you, you slot in your Nick Foles as your backup quarterback if you want. So I think they've got a good young core and I think they're going to grow really well together. Give me plus 400 plus 500 range. I will step off. You're giving plus 400 while mentioning draft capital as an asset. You trade that draft capital if you have to, depending on how things go. Yes, sir, I do. Co-counsel. Get your wins. Um, I love, I love that mans. we're just at this point where it's just co-counsel. So I, I, I think this get is uh, very well done at this point. Um, I'm going to say this. I'm going to put the Eagles at a cool plus 950 for a five-year championship window. It's a little better. I will Thank say you. this. I think – that what makes the Eagles a very intriguing long-term bet for something like this, you know, in, in, in this world that we live in. 
um, is that the fact that they have that option for essentially two different rookie quarterback contracts to win this title on, right? This hypothetical five-year window title. Because the thing is that they have a rookie quarterback right now, and we all know that the current formula for the NFL is you win on your quarterback's rookie deal. You're much more likely to do so until you have to start paying them a third of your salary cap, right? So now we're at this point where the Eagles have Jalen Hurts for, you know, the next three years of a rookie deal, including this year. But it's also, the, it's a five year deal as a second round pick. So, yeah, f- three years. Yeah. yeah, yeah three I years. thought it was four, four years as a second round pick. Like it's five. Okay. Well, I mean, even, even so, last year was his rookie year. They have three at or four three. more. At they have at least three, three, yeah. three yeah. more full years of them, right? So then that brings you to the really interesting thing, which is next year's two picks, because, you know, kind of like recently we've seen the Dolphins do with, with Tua and just getting Josh Rosen out of there. Like, if you don't like the guy that you have, you can essentially yeah. reset your window with a new rookie quarterback contract. And look, obviously, we know that this current class is, you know, we're still a year or, you know, 10 months out from a draft or whatever. It's too early to know these kind of things. But the early indications that, you know, you got Spencer Rattler at the top, then it's not really too much after that. Right. So maybe, mm-hmm. get, maybe, maybe if Jalen Hurts still isn't your guy in two years, you still have enough assets. Where you can go and then just reset your 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 timer one more time in not after this year but after the next 2022 to 23 season if at that point you're still not convinced that your quarterback is the guy so i think in a five-year window you can have two different quarterback chances with two different rookie deals to give you flexibility to bring in you know great supporting pieces around him i think that the eagles are you know they're obviously not close to it but in a situation a scenario like that I think that you know there uh, there certainly would be a good bang for their buck at plus nine fifty. It's closer to where I, I would go. Prosecution. What are what are we setting these odds at? Again, I have to bring y'all back down to earth. Max, you're a little closer. Josh, you're so far like head in the clouds. Like my my goodness, I'm setting the Eagles championship odds in this five year window at a nice eleven fifty. I'm going I'm going into making four, a lot of money the, the four digits because. What did I start this show with? Remember that you are in a rebuild. Not only are you in the first year of it, gentlemen. And normally, NFL rebuilds don't turn around just just overnight like that. Normally, we're looking at a three to four to five year project. If everything hits exactly as it's supposed to. And we lined the question marks out. We lined the doubts and, and where this team could fall short and where their expectations are. So remembering all of that, that we, we, all we just said for the last hour, we know that the Eagles winning a Super Bowl anytime in the near future is a long shot. Not that it's impossible, but it's a long shot. A lot has to be done for it to, for it to happen. I'm setting my odds at 11.50. If, if I had to put my money on it, 11.50 for it to happen. And that's with the not being a Nick Sirianni believer. That's with not being all in in Jalen Hurts. That's with not seeing depth and critical pieces on the Eagles. That's everything that I've said is going into this. There shouldn't be a shock as to where I fall with the Eagles. I just trying to win you guys a lot of money. I would like to, to, to make a note of that. Uh, I feel like a lot of people forget what the actual time frame for a rebuild should be. Like we're not talking about like the rebuilds have too often gotten compared to, or likened to like the Baltimore Orioles or the New York jets where it's like an extended period of time. No, no. That's when, that's when you're just inept. 
they just exactly. suck. Yeah. I think the, yeah, I think the the timeline of the term rebuild needs to be refreshed into like a three to yeah, three, four five, three to five at the mm-hmm. worst case scenario where it's like you're you're rebuilding, retooling, and successfully doing it, hitting on these picks. So I think and and, and by that was nice five, refreshing realism. By year five, you should be that one piece away that that mm. that one step. That's away. fair. If you get to four and five, and if there's like no improvement, then it's you don't make it to year five unless you're, I mean, you know, unless you're there, yeah, you know, unless, you're you're top, unless you're a top, unless you're a top eight to 10 yeah. team, you're not getting to year five as a head coach. Mm-hmm. I, agree. I agree. Before we jump into our second half here, gentlemen, and get to our ruling, we got to tell you about our friends over at PHL Sports Nation. Uh, they do a great job of covering all your Philadelphia sports teams, whether it be blogs, social media, anything in between. Go check them out. Awesome. PHLSportsNation.com. Philadelphia Sports Nation, enhancing your Philadelphia sports fan experience brought us some great guests uh mr joliker i'm always there i'm gonna is. say it every time i'm gonna say it every time uh let's see uh jeremy brandon after uh, always amazing we're gonna try and get uh somebody to uh to cover the eagles a little bit that to jump on with us soon as training camp um starts to wrap up and preseason approaches so be on the lookout for that we're gonna breeze through the second half here gentlemen so we get to this uh get to this ruling something nothing or everything you know how to do it Zach Ertz being at training camp. Okay. Zach Ertz being at training camp. Something, nothing, or everything. Anybody? I was waiting for you to go to somebody. No, yeah, I want. I wanted. I wanted to throw that out to the to the gallery. I wanted to see it's you want to jump it's on. It's quick that. for me. It's, it's it's nothing for me. I mean, he, he's he. <laughs> Playing it more cordial, more professional than a lot of players would, who probably would just hold out of camp if they're not getting their way. But I mean, Zach Ertz being there does not change my stance. I don't think he will. I don't think he'll play as an Eagle, but if he does, I don't think he lasts long at all before he's wearing a different jersey. So he can come in with different hair all he wants, different hair, same Ertz, same situation. I think he's going. Different hair, same Ertz. I think it's a big uh I think it's a big hunk of something. I just think it's a horrible optics. It's a, it's bad for optics. And then it also just shows ineptness from Howie here. I've been I think Howie had a tremendous offseason um to like quiet a bunch of our ha- us haters, but I, I think this is like a like a terrible look. He's doing absolutely nothing to work with the team. He's hiding the Eagles logo like it feels like you have an enemy. It, like you're, he's behind enemy lines almost. Like in my, in his mind, he's on a different team, and he's just, you know, kind of taking advantage of the Novacare real estate. Like I think it's a horrible look and just bad for the young guys. Like oh, he's acting this way. Like you know, obviously they know what the deal is, but he, it's something. It's not. He could have not come to camp. He could have not come to camp at all. I we also don't know how he is in the meeting rooms. Like, sure, that's a good point. But I, I'm saying I'd rather him not come to camp. Like, I think it's just a really bad. Look I think you're good. tripping if you say that because I think that yeah, you're what? right that it's something, but it's something for the fact because that this can't do any. This can't lower his trade value anymore. If he's yeah. sitting at home rotting through the first couple of weeks of yeah. training camp, like, sure, it's marginal between a seventh round and a sixth round pick. Exactly, but yes, any I mean, anything and teams, is, and teams anything know else. You're desperate teams know you're yeah. desperate if he's not coming to camp. Like you lose value that way. Come on. Yeah, do you I really want that. next year's seventh round pick that's a conditional six, or do you want next year's fifth round pick that's a conditional fourth? Good point. That's really rather, what it comes I'd down just to. Rather have, I'd rather have Ertz happy and, and not here. And yeah, just but he's not. That, that, that part is over. He's not happy. That yeah. part is over. All right, boys. Last question here before we get to our ruling. <sighs> the man in Indy. 
the man wearing number two uh, in Indy. Max, I'm coming to you first, baby. Something, nothing, or everything. This makes me smile. Of the I mean, man. it's obvious. It's obviously something because this has direct impact on on Eagles' future so assets, right? Um, all I'm going to say on the subject is is not going to take a victory lap. That would be far, far underneath my level of class to take a full victory lap. But I will take a half victory lap by saying it's really nice to not have to worry about this yep. any deeper than the surface yeah. level. All right. Co-counsel? Uh, it's it's a big something. And I would call it everything had that injury window, say, 8 to 12 weeks instead of 5 to 12, which seems like a crazy window to me, by the way, 5 to 12 weeks. But what the 5 to 12 weeks says is, hey, there's a chance this guy is back week one or week two, and the Eagles get a third first-round pick. I'm not counting on it. But I'm just saying it's a big thing of something for everything Max said. And don't give up on the third pick. Just everyone, let's root for Wentz to get healthy one last time, everyone. That's it. Prosecution? I'm going to go it's everything. And I'm going to go it's everything from a reason probably you guys aren't even thinking about. Okay. To me, screw the draft pick. Two, two first-round picks or three first-round picks. At this point, screw the draft pick. It's everything because you're vindicated. The, the the yeah. roller coaster ride that is Carson Wentz is no longer something that you guys have to worry about. Like like for just just, just get it off good. of your table. Mister Glass himself no longer resides in Philadelphia. That's Indianapolis's problem now, and it just kind of continues and furthers the point that maybe that Carson Wentz that flash that we saw in 2017. It just the the farther we go on, the less likely it looks that we'll ever see that again. And this is the latest installment. And for the first time in his career, it doesn't affect you or it doesn't affect y'all on the field. It affects y'all in the draft room. But after next season, it literally won't be your problem anymore. And that's the that's the only thing that Carson Wentz holds over you is that draft pick. So forget about the draft pick. And we got two other ones in the first round. Hey, man, I'll, I'll say this. A guy who might end up missing the first anywhere from one to seven games of the season, even getting a second round pick for that is uh my second at that. Cause the Colts will probably be bad. Yeah. That's why I I'd like to submit um, exhibit B to the record that uh, Dave Zangaro um, actually did a very good job. He, he rough ballpark of the numbers. He could miss up to, I think week three, I think he said, where you'd still be in the ballpark of making awesome. the the 70% of snaps. And then if they if they get on that winning record, I'm sorry, well, se- well, 75 and it automatically converts or 70% in playoffs. playoffs. Um, so you could you could ballpark miss like into week three, maybe week four and still grab 70% of snaps and make the playoffs. Just so and imagine, then, you know, just, just imagine if Jacob Eason starts out two and oh, oh, boy, oh, boy. Oh boy! No, that'd be bad. Hey, we want the, we want the Colts rather, to finish nine and eight and get in on tiebreakers. I, I'd I'd honestly rather see Carson. I'm sorry, this sounds evil. I'd rather see him go through it again than get the first round pick. Bad, it should be too entertaining. I, all right, don't need to all convince right. me of that. Honestly, all right, we're gonna get to our ruling here, and the question that is now being posed to our jury: How do you? The jury of the peers of the Philadelphia Eagles find the defendant in the matter of having a clear direction for the franchise. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. And feel free, feel free to to submit your your rulings in any order you choose. I feel like the defense well, in nature goes second, so I, I as the prosecution will go first. How do you find? 
I find them, and I'm not sure if I'm going to get this right because they kind of both could go either way, but I find them not guilty of having a clear direction. I'm trying to say they don't have a clear direction. So guilty of guilty of guilty. not having yeah, guilty there you of go. not yeah, having yeah. a clear direction. I'll put it that way. Guilty yeah. of not having. I was so hopeful for a second. <laughs> yeah, not having a clear direction. Nick Sirianni was not brought in for Jalen Hurts. He was he was brought in for Carson Wentz to one convince Carson Wentz to stay, to put the offensive design around him that would see Carson Wentz flourish, not Jalen Hurts. With all that being said, not having a clear direction is where the Eagles fall. Six, six and eleven, my friends. Seven and nine. Mm. Get used to it. Get happy with it. Get content with it. You want to rebuild. How do the people find the Philadelphia Eagles? Josh, Max, I, 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 I this it's just a lot. Uh, I, I really, really like the uh, the official. Uh, what's the word? The, uh, the the charge, the official charge. That's what I'm looking for here because it does change how I view the the whole thing. And listen, Mr. Plus I'm 400 at a Super Bowl run. Just gonna call a spade a spade and say the Eagles are, or Howie Roseman specifically, is guilty of not having a clear direction. Because for one reason and one reason only, to be honest, quarterback. If you don't believe in your quarterback, you don't have a clear direction. And I think I have a clear, I have a direction of their rebuilding, but I think my direction or, or my conception is different than the Eagles because they don't believe in their, they don't believe in Jalen Hurts, right? There's all this talk about Deshaun Watson and they, they never wanted Jalen Hurts to be the quarterback, right? Like he's, he was supposed to be a backup. So if we're going on this charge, I will say that the Eagles are guilty of not having a clear direction. That being said, because I, I think this season is a pivot. It is not necessarily a, this is what we want to do. This is their pivot. And now they're trying to see what they have. I've happened to fall into the camp that they fell into something really nice in Jalen Hurts and that, then trading down to get Devontae Smith. I'm saying 10 and 7. I'm saying NFC East winners, and it will kickstart a new direction. But where we sit today, I think they're guilty of not having a direction. I'm just being honest, but I still say 10 and 7 in playoffs. Wow. Co counsel? That's a lot of faith. Um, and a team with no direction. A lot of faith in a team that he clearly stated has well, no direction. Howie Roseman may not have direction, but that core of guys, I believe in them. I, I actually, I kind of do agree with Josh's statement as a blanket statement because I agree that the Eagles, maybe as in the Eagles as in the front office, maybe doesn't have the best idea of what they want to do, but. This is this is going to seem contradictory to what I said about not believing in Nick Sirianni. I don't believe in him as 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 the guy who's going to be the head coach for like a great team, but I do believe that he knows what he is looking for in terms of players and what he's looking for in terms of of you know I, I guess just even simply he knows what he's looking for, but I feel like the front office doesn't, and obviously that's going to create a disconnect of of sorts, obviously. Not again, right? That that's really what what scares me here. So, if you 
before before this last season, Carson Wentz's last season, I would 100% would have claimed this team guilty of not having direction because they were very cl- very clearly split of two minds. Like half the roster screamed this this can't work in a competitive week to week environment, and the other half was we still have some Super Bowl magic left in us somewhere, right? Like that that's what their thought process was. I'm not saying I agree with it, but it it feels like this year there is a, an acceptance of we are probably going to suck for the first time in a while, like truly not be good. Like, like the, the, the year that was Doug and Carson's rookie year together, like it feels like that, but to a lower degree because last year was just a dumpster fire. It wasn't like we, we came off the last year of chip Kelly, where we still finished seven and nine and, and you could tell the players just quit, but there was still talent and there was still like, like, damn, if anybody else was coaching that team, they probably could have just walked the division at 10 wins that year. And that, that feeling isn't there this year, not even close. So I think that I'm going to have to say that they're not guilty of not having a direction because I think that they actually have accepted that they suck. And I think the front office doesn't know how to, how to accept that or how to, how to, how to, you know, how to, where they go from, from that acceptance. Like they haven't had to, they've, they've never had to accept they suck. The, the biggest suck years in recent Eagles lore is the dream team year. And to a less to a lesser extent, the Carson Wentz rookie year, and obviously nobody expected it, a team that got dubbed the dream team by their backup QB to stink as bad as they did. Mm-hmm. So it just feels like it's been a while since this city and therefore the ownership and the people making the big decisions have had to prepare for the mindset of hey, we're not going to be competitive this year unless a lot of weird things happen, as opposed to last year where we're going to be competitive this year unless a lot of weird things happen. If the direction is we suck, then I then I can get on board with the Eagles having a clear direction. Then, I mean, I think I think that they have accepted that they need at least this year to figure shit out. Like very clearly, like I don't think it's any secret that this is the Jalen Hurts prove it year. Like either yeah. he shows that uh-huh. he can be good enough to win this division and compete in the playoffs consistently, or the Eagles are burning one of those two picks next year for a quarterback. There's mm-hmm. there really doesn't feel like there's any two any two other timelines or any other timelines besides those two. Well, the defense rests, and the Eagles have been found guilty, of course, of not having a clear direction for the franchise. Now, I think there's in in the the judges' notes. Let it be let it be noted that some good points were made, and the coaching staff seems to have a very clear direction of what they want. But the GM does not, and uh, it, at least the at the position, at the least at the position of quarterback. And if you don't yep. know what you're doing there, there is going to be a disconnect. Doesn't matter. Doesn't so, matter anywhere else. Yes, sir. If there's a disconnect there, there cannot be a clear direction for the franchise. We'll see if those things change, Josh. If if your um, if 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 your prediction for the blueprint pans out, it might be the choice might be made for them. In all honesty, but we uh, that's what I'm banking on. The case has been made, the team has been tried, and they have been found guilty and not wanting. They're going to be going to the jail in Veterans Stadium for the they have been sentenced. They have been sentenced to another 15 years in the dreary NFC East. Mm. Mm. NFC Beast, don't you forget it. 15 years. It's a pretty damn good sentencing. Best division in sports sometimes. Possibility for parole in five. So, we never know. You never know, boys. Let's uh, let's tap it out. Let's tap it out. Well, I'll go first. I don't really have a tap out. I wanted to drop a little news on you guys that have come up while we've been doing this. Uh, Dwight Howard has re-signed 
with the Los Angeles Lakers. Yeah. Don't say resign. I was like, I was about to bitch and moan about how I, I mean, watch him in the playoffs again. With he the got Los good. Angeles Lakers and the Sixers have resigned Furkan Korkmaz. Yes, ah, Dude, Furkan great Korkmaz. contract too. Say it, Banners. I know you saw what it was. Uh, I, I kind of just swiped away the notification uh, as soon as I saw three, it. Three years, fifteen for four, for Furkan, which wow. is a great, it's an amazing cheap. contract. Yeah, got him on the cheap. Actually, that's yeah, really man. good. Uh, the Lakers are also interested in Danny Green, while Danny Green is interested in the Miami Heat. No NBA time. free agency, fellas. Yeah, let's do it. Crazy. Anybody got to tap out? I'll, I'll piggyback off yours, Banners, because mine is also NBA free agency, gentlemen. For the first time in about three years, Chris Paul has a long-term destination. Mm. And it's the same uh, team that he was on last year, the Phoenix Suns, who made the NBA Finals run. So, looks like I will be setting up shop in the desert for the next four years. And it feels nice. good because we've been journeymen these last couple of years. Didn't really know which which team I was going to hitch my wagon to for, you know, an extended period of time. Saying, go Rockets and Thunder Up, and then all of a sudden go into the Valley in, in a three-year span. Makes a man makes a man wonder where his you know where his destiny lies, but it seems in the desert down there towards the border in the southwest that we have we have made a home. I do think the Phoenix Suns are still one semi big piece away from doing something. Demar Derozan signing maybe could maybe could put this team where it needs. There's to be. a uh, there's a Carl Anthony Towns rumor out there. Yeah, who, who knows? I will take that. But for what it's worth. I think Phoenix is a good fit. I think Devin Booker is a good star for Chris Paul to work with and work alongside. And him and Monty Williams work really well there as a pairing. Rally the Valley, boys. Rally the Valley. Rally the Valley. All right. Co-counsels, any tap outs? I got one really quick. And um, I got to say that somehow throughout the, the flow of the show, I didn't really have the, the, the opportunity to make this statement abundantly clear. Uh, I am a believer in Jalen Hurts as of this moment in time. As a historical doubter, I saw him in college plenty, and he, to me, he was just always a guy that he, – he was a good college quarterback, and I would never had any major confidence that he would pan out to the NFL. And maybe my initial gut instinct is correct, but after everything that I keep reading and seeing, and I'm really trying not to drink the Kool-Aid too heavily, but to at least not give myself the mental reassurance of backing this guy, knowing – the kind of work that he's putting in in terms of mastering the offense, seeing all the tweets and the clips about the throws that he's making to people, knowing the fact that he's lifting with his offensive linemen and is, quote, running the room in there. That can't help but to excite me as a fan. And I get that there is no reason for people outside of the Philadelphia fan base to believe in this kid as much as I do and clearly as much as Josh does. <laughs> but after a long couple of years of, of just never really being convinced, if it's not going to be now, it's going to be never. And this kid is my quarterback. He's my QB one on the first day of training camp. Yeah. I want him to succeed. I'm pulling for Jalen Hurts all in this year. Yes. And low-key fantasy advice. Like, he could easily snip top 10 fantasy QBs if yep. you're looking for someone to fly in the uh, double-digit Lots and lots of rushing yards and touchdowns, for that matter. Welcome to the Hurt Locker, digits. It's pretty <laughs> That's good. That's actually pretty good. What? We're going to have to get shirts, Josh. We're going to have to get matching Hurt Locker shirts. Yep. And on the, on the note of the Hurt Locker in the cinema world, I got a quick tap out, real simple. Uh, I saw t I saw a movie recently, and I watched a show that released its second season. And we'll go with the bad first. I saw M. Night's Old. Big M. Night guy, big movie guy. And not this one? Not this one? It really sucked. Like, yeah, like you know, M. Night, like, it's... The it's, concept looks tough. 
it I, I had I had to go see it. You know what I mean? I, I like M Night has proven me wrong before, and he's proven me right before. And this one, I was like, oh okay, this looks good. I want to see what he does with it. It's horrible. It's horrible. That's tough. Uh, and the other one is, I think you should leave with Tim Robinson. It is just friggin' hilarious. Like it came out of uh, season one a few years ago. It's like 15 minute skits. And I kind of just forgot about it. You know what I mean? Second season comes around. Oh, it's, it's, it's gold. It's, it's crude. It's quick. Uh, and it's just like, it's like, um, it's like a modern day Saturday night live in the sense where it's a little bit more crazy and out there. And Saturday night live has just come a little bit more cookie cutter political insert laugh track here. So that that is my recommendation if you want something crazy funny and my Your anti-recommendation. Yeah, don't see don't see <laughs> right? Yeah, stay away. Do it. Forewarning. All right. That's gonna conclude our uh, our series of trials on the Philadelphia sports teams. If you've missed any of them, if you weren't able to join us here live while we were deliberating. Go back and watch or listen. There's, uh, you, you can find any of them on our uh, My New Philly Facebook over YouTube page and as well as uh, in any kind of podcast form, whether it be Spotify, Anchor, um, Apple Music, anywhere in between. For everybody here, Trust the Process Live. We'll catch you next week. And uh, as always, we are brought to you by My New Philly, where something's always new and, and everything's every, always, Philly. always Philly. Catch you next week, Philly. And, uh, yeah, enjoy training camp. Peace. The trials have concluded. Oh, here we go. One last one. I'm done.